Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Get in the Garage. We're a music podcast. For music lovers, we've got a great show planned for you today. But before we begin, as always, please make sure to like and comment and subscribe and share this podcast with all of your friends and family and everybody who uh, is also a music lover. Yes, we have new music reviews this week yep. by Santa Gold. The uh, album name is Spirituals. Yep. And we are also covering Ozzy Osbourne, uh, his new album. And that album is called Patient Number Nine. The Osman Cometh. Uh, that's a different record. <laughs> but uh, so we got that for you. And then we have music news like always. We have yes. some fun stuff in there. And yeah, yeah. Uh, we this episode is going to be full of surprises. We have an unboxing for you. Yeah, so, it's going uh, uh, gonna, gonna to be fun. It's very fun. It's going to be fun. So let's get it kicked off. Yeah, yeah here. here. We're fine. Dear Liquid Death. Sponsor us. Or Polar. You can't, you can't be choosy here. You can't I mean, it's New England's own. Proud Massachusetts. We have a sponsor in our backyard. I do love when you drive um, into Massachusetts up there, and the, there's a big polar bear that's sitting on the building up yeah, there. Yeah, it's dope. Where is that? That's in uh, Worcester? Is that Worcester? It has to be Worcester. Worcester. It's yeah. Worcester. Worcester. Yeah, Worcester. Shout out to our friends in Worcester. Um, uh, also, as you can see, there is no Jeff here today. We are sans Jeff. Uh, we are sans Jeff, as always, but obviously Not we as have. always. Or not as always, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I was saying, as always, we've got Luke and our uh, eye in the sky. Good evening. Uh, big brother, little brother back there. Uh, Alex, welcome, brother. Um, yeah, let's get started into some music news, though, because there's some, there's some uh, interesting stuff happening this yes. week. So, so uh, I'm going to kick you off with uh, the Taylor Swift Shake it off lawsuit. Oh uh, yeah, Luke's legal corner. Well, oh, once again, I was about to say Luke's legal corner. <laughs> That's I beat to it. Here it is. So, um, this is your legal news for this week going on yep. in the music world. Taylor Swift is getting sued by the not by the group Three WL, but the songwriters of the song. So, I'm gonna sing you the hook of this song real fast, and you're gonna know the song. It's from the early 2000s. I think it's from the year 2000. To be honest with you. Yeah. So it's called uh, "Haters." They're gonna hate. Shotguns, they're gonna call. It don't got nothing to do with me and you. So that's that song. Yeah. Um, it's by 3WL. Uh, what is the name of that song, Alex? Can you please look that up for me? So that song, the songwriters of that song are yeah. alleging that Taylor Swift's Shake It Off, which the chorus is, the haters gonna hate, 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 yeah. and the player's gonna play, 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 play. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then she goes, I'm just going to shake, 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 shake it off. The name of the original the song from 2000? Play is going to play. Play is going to play. Ah, Thank you. Interesting. So, we have these two songs here. Taylor Swift's chorus, to me, sounds nothing like the 3WL chorus. Uh, it just similarly yeah. uses player and hater, and there's so many versions of those words, and even together, you yeah. could be A, player hater so yeah um i think this lawsuit is really baseless i don't know why anybody took it into court taylor swift does have to go to court or some kind of legal team on her behalf yeah i don't really know how courts work even though i do run this legal segment <laughs> uh but so we're there with it taylor swift is gonna have to do something with that i think it's a stupid lawsuit yeah. i'm sure everybody else here does I barely, I when I read the name of that song and I couldn't even remember it when I'm like went to read it back. Yeah. To you guys here, 
I knew that song, but was completely unfamiliar with it. Uh, like it just sunk back into my mind, and I listened to. It, I remembered it, but yeah, right. I, I definitely remembered it, but it's not anything I would say is uh, on thick line or uh, blurred lines territory. Right, right. Uh, which is on sketchy ground at that. So yeah, you know. Yeah, it's there's a weird history of that, isn't there? Like like the the you stole my idea thing and all that stuff. Well, Led Zeppelin famously, you know. Well, that one's that, legit. That one, yeah, that one's legit. That yeah. one's really legit. But yeah. um, we talked about Mariah Carey a couple weeks ago. And yeah, her right. Christmas song. Right, right. The Christmas um, song. If you look back in a couple episodes, or if you remember our yep. music news on Mariah Carey, where someone's like, "You stole my idea for uh, you know, all I want, I want for, for Christmas, Christmas is, is you. you," and it's yeah. like, okay, did you? So. Well. You know that's and those two songs sounded nothing alike as well. So right. interesting. Yeah. Uh, what else? You got? I got one more piece of kind of legalish news. It's not really legal news, but it's more of in that realm. Chuck D of Public Enemy sold um, a large stake of his songwriting to Reach Music. It's a uh, group he's been working with for a long time that kind of does uh, control of his music kind of thing. But uh, he sold a large share of his publishing to them. This is a trend that we've definitely been covering on the show, whether it was Bob Dylan or I believe did Paul Simon sell a large chunk of his songwriting that uh, we talked about? Yeah, yeah. I think yes. You, I think you uh, did, Stevie yeah. Nicks, yep. uh, Bruce Springsteen. Yep. Um, and now we have Chuck D of uh, Public Enemy fame. I believe he's probably one of the first major figures in the rap hip hop community to sell off the publishing in this way where a lot of the classic rockers were definitely doing it during COVID and especially when touring went away. Um, I'm very interested to see if that trend keeps up with the legacy artists selling their stuff, you know, but they are all are are all very are getting up there in age. Yeah. Uh, Chuck D probably not so much. He's not like Bob Dylan's age. So, yeah. you know, but, um, you know, still very interesting. Yeah. Um, I got a little bit more light stuff for you. Okay. Um, Bikini Kill, a band I love. Yes. Uh, a band that we've covered on the podcast before as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, great album right here, the singles. If you don't have it or if you never listened to it, please check it out. Yeah. But they uh, had two, speaking of COVID and things like that, had to cancel their tour because of COVID. They are mm. coming back of in March and April of next year. That's 2023. Yeah. And they're going to um, do their some rescheduled dates. Tickets go on sale, I believe, this Friday. Um, so they will be on sale when this is out. So that's going to be really fun. Bikini Kill, a really great legacy band. I love to talk about... Um, you know, Riot Girl bands on the show. We're going to talk about a another uh, pioneering female band. Um, not that I only want to talk about Bikini Kill and pioneering ways, but yeah. um, a little bit later on here. Yeah. So actually, we could do it right now. Uh, yeah. Well, I just wanted to say one thing in oh, ma- in memoriam because uh, we wanted to throw this out. Um, so rest in peace to uh, the jazz pianist Ramsey Lewis. Uh, he just recently passed away at the age of eighty-seven. Um. We have the in crowd. Yeah, that's his, it. That's I would the say his hit. defining record. Yeah, one of the best. Yeah, yeah. So and uh, Jeffrey wanted to shout out his cover or his covers album of uh, Beatles White Album tunes called Mother Nature's Son. Yeah, I haven't heard that one, but I'm definitely gonna check it out now. Jeff uh, asked us to shout it out in yep. the uh, the pod today, so we're definitely gonna check that out afterwards. But yeah. I'm a huge fan of the in crowd. Actually, th- I bought this record three times. With no record inside before I bought, <laughs> before I paid a dollar fifty for a lot of five Ramsey Lewis records hmm. on eBay, and 
Then I got and that was in there. That was in there. So there you go. that's how I finally got a copy of it. Yeah. After buying it like two times with you know. Yeah. Just the cover. So yes, rest in peace um, to Ramsey Lewis. Now, um, um, well, let's talk about that pioneering uh, female band that I yes. mentioned before. Yep. That is going to be Fanny. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fanny were this group. Uh, can you tell me where they're from? They're formed in the late '60s and all female mm-hmm. played a style of i want to say like bad fingery style um power pop that was the word i was thinking of mm-hmm. and they released a couple albums in the early 70s and splintered off in 1975 they are having a reissue of their second and third albums those albums are uh, what is it? One was Fanny Hill, and the other one is Charity Ball. Charity, Charity Ball was Ball, released it. first in 1971, and Fanny Hill in 1972. These records were produced by Richard Perry, who was Jeffrey Emmerich's kind of protege, you would say. Mm. Jeffrey Emmerich was the engineer for the Beatles on a lot of their famous stuff. We gotcha. mentioned his name a lot on the show. Um, the band was made up of Gene Millington and uh, June Millington. Uh, on guitar and bass, and they were from the Philippines. They, uh, Alex, yeah, thank you. I remembered it halfway through. They were from the uh, Philippines, and they really were the core of this band. They moved Mm -hmm. to California and really became uh, entrenched in music. They started on ukulele and worked their way up to guitar like a lot of um, people in the 60s did. This band was really, really um, kind of pivotal in forming pre-heart-style bands, um, David Bowie famously championed this band quite a bit. Their records were pretty cool. Michael, did we check them out? Um, I was yeah, I gave kind them of, a listen. I was kind of familiar with them. I have their uh, fourth album produced by Todd Rundgren. Yeah, yeah. Um, which isn't as uh you know up to par as I'd say as the first three records are that are produced by uh Richard Perry. Yeah, I really enjoyed the records. Uh, I couldn't fi- I couldn't quite put my finger on them. I guess maybe if that if that's a thing that uh, I guess. I mean, we pick nits anyway, but, you know, it, it, it felt like the band, or at least judging by the first three albums, because I had listened to the first album and then listening to the other two, it sounds like a band that kind of struggled with maybe a sense of identity as being like, well, what kind of a band is this really? There are, I mean, you text me, you were like, oh, it's like Todd, sounds like Todd Rundgren. I heard some parts that I thought were Humble Pie-esque. You know, you, I think the Rundgren thing you get because you get a lot of that sort of like hammering on piano thing that you'll get with the Rundgren stuff. But, you know, um, uh, what was the name of the guitar player? Um, I'm sorry. June. Uh, June Millington. Uh, I mean, she rips, man. Yeah, she rips, she all, rips. all over these she records. She rips all over the place. And that's what's that's what's so cool about it is that. You know, she's she's you know, like, let's be honest here. Right. I mean, given the time, most of this, the rock and roll and all that stuff was very male dominated. Hence the reason why they are such a significant band and an important one at that. Um, and June Millington, I would say that she she chops wise. I feel like she could keep up with the, you know, the lot of a man uh, and uh, she's June Millington to the contemporaries of the late 60s and early 70s rock and rollers is the same thing as like what Lita Ford would become when you would have like the 80s hair metal and she would come out and start shredding. It's like the, you know what I'm trying well, to say? a band, the Runaways were heavily influenced by a band, Fanny, right, um, who exactly. come from the same pretty much area geographically as the Runaways. Yep. Um, I think gu- the guitar work that is highlighted on songs like uh, Place in the Country, mm. I played it on a ride into work this morning. That song for me had like some ripping guitar on it. 
I also liked how um, some of the songs had like, um, I forget which record it was, and please forgive me, but uh, oh, You Got a Home off of Fanny Hill, the third record. That was kind of like an interesting song because it gave um, perspective of a mother talking to a son that said like, uh, you may not know why your father's here, but I have a home for you. And it was really the plea of a um, single mother. Mm. And that was a really interesting lyrical uh, bend for uh, the early 70s that I thought was really cool and really unique and only could come from a female band like that. Yeah. Um, the thing I think you were talking about with the direction um, – uh, the reviewer Robert Christo, uh, if you look on like for the third album, uh, Fanny Hill, they cover "Hey Bulldog" and "Ain't That Peculiar" by, yeah, um, yeah. and he says uh, about it, they kind of gave themselves away, and I thought about this a lot, and the cover of "Hey Bulldog" is very very good, but in a way he's right that they did give themselves away a little bit, where they were kind of like forming this band that was like kind of maybe more free of the the tie downs of implications even mm. though they did sound rather bad fingery yeah. they were in the same kind of production team that was be that was producing bad finger yeah. um it was going to happen you know what i mean that kind of beatles inspired right. way of structuring songs but a little bit heavier a little bit of grit to it yeah um w- where he says they gave themselves away a little bit on them is like kind of the whole how do I want to put this? Is uh, instead of being like, oh, this band's original, you go, oh, this band's like the Beatles, or this yeah. band's like that, and that is where yeah. um, it kind of falters a little bit. Where their original messages about like um, you know, like I just mentioned about like uh, the single mother asked, very interesting, very dynamic, very their own for the time. Yeah. Um, and some of the music might sound a little bit dated in our you know now, but there's definitely cuts on there for like proto like medley guys yeah. oh or yeah like for sure blues guys um overall like they're really fun cool records and uh like i would say record collectors records so yeah. please check out those reissues of uh charity ball and fanny hill um cool records great uh a little bit of like beatlesy uh you know kevin bacon degree there yeah. so uh very cool alex you had a piece of music news that I was kind of interested in. If you would please like bring that up and bring it to our attention. If you need a minute to get it up, we could talk about something else here. Yes, please. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I got one, one more little thing here. Um, do I have one more little thing? Oh yeah. Lizzo. Lizzo oh, won yeah, a yeah. goddamn Emmy for her yeah. show, uh, where she was looking for uh, heavier backup dancers. The show was called Big Girls, yep. uh, girls with the R's. Um, <laughs> so she won uh, an Emmy for that, and kudos to Lizzo. She's doing her own thing um, with the people she wants to do it with, and she's making money while she's doing it, yeah. and um, empowering the kind of people she wants to empower. Yeah. Uh, more power to her. Congratulations, uh, Lizzo. Yes, and, congratulations to you, Lizzo. And it looked like she really uh, took over the award show from a lot of what I saw. Like, the kind of big star was kind yeah. of like Lizzo. Uh, I forget also who did that speech where she, like, uh, danced to the playing off music, but that was very, very funny. Uh, everybody will know what I'm talking about because they see viral clips you have no idea what i'm talking about. i have no idea what he's talking about so alex (laughs) do you have that uh article pulled up sir yes so 
Very recently, on September 13th of 2022, the man who shot and killed John Lennon in 1980 was denied parole for the 12th time. For the 12th time. Yes, the gentleman who shot and killed John Lennon uh, in Manhattan, his name is Mark David Chapman. That's his name. Couldn't remember. Mark David Chapman. He's currently 67 years old and serving a 20 years to life sentence at Greenhaven Correctional Facility in New York. Ah. He was just denied parole again this august and it was just uh recently released oh so we have well. the dude that shot reagan is doing country music and the dude that shot john lennon's never getting out of jail yeah what are you gonna do yeah it's a weird world i like it <laughs> cool news weird, article it's a weird world it's a weird world man yeah. um, um cool news article uh rest yeah. in peace john lennon i don't think that yeah. dude's ever getting out of jail no. uh also forever tainted the catcher in the rye <laughs> yeah, what can you do? What can you do? <laughs> what can you do? Um, um, I have one small piece of music news, and then we'll, should we carry on? Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, so, uh, Sophia Coppola, I believe the daughter of Francis Ford Coppola, who is the famous uh, movie producer, director, director, Godfather, Godfather Outsiders. Outsiders. Uh, her next film was announced that uh, will be about uh, Priscilla Presley, uh, from the perspective of Priscilla Presley. Uh, um, uh, Sophia Coppola, Lost in Translation. Oh, okay. Gotcha. You go. Thank you. Um, and that just really, for me, poses the question, will this movie be as terrible as the HBO Elvis movie? Because, or I don't know if it's HBO, but it's but on it's HBO. it's on HBO right now. It's, um, not, it's not an HBO movie. No, it's not an HBO movie. But um, I wanted to just quickly, like, kind of use that as a segue just to talk about the new Elvis movie because um, I watched it. I know that you watched some of it okay. <laughs> before storming out of the movie theater in disgust. So... so- like yeah. um yeah like Mike told me this morning uh Sofia Coppola was releasing an Elvis movie and I was like oh I hope it's you know not like the one that just came out yeah. um me and Michael are in the negative um on this movie where a it, lot of it, people it's got see critical acclaim it's got the like critical I don't understand where yeah. all this critical acclaim is coming from for this movie um and I'm gonna get into why I don't think this is a good movie um yeah and it really doesn't have anything to do with the acting. Um, it has everything to do with what, how they choose to, well, yeah, it's a little bit about little, the acting. It's a little bit about the acting. Tom Hanks. Tom, but we're not going to get into that. Let's talk about Elvis and who Elvis was. Yes. Elvis was a, the first mega superstar. Um, the first yeah. TV superstar. He was the biggest star in the world at that time. Nobody had ever been as big as Elvis, right? So he's the first pop superstar like that. Yeah. And I feel like with what we have just seen with Britney Spears happen and the legacy that uh, that surrounds that whole issue, the way we're looking at uh, how Elvis was treated isn't very realistic. Um, it's not fair to Elvis. And I still think after all these years, we still don't really get to see who Elvis was as an artist, as a human being, and as a person. For much of the 1960s, Elvis was, like, very intoxicated on pills and was very, you know, bloated. Mm-hmm. Um, the 60s montages in this movie are – they almost show him, like, not taking drugs at all. Um, there's, like, one scene in a car where yeah, he, like, yeah. pops a pill, like, harmlessly, like, oh, this is fine. Um, yeah. Elvis was being, like, really abused. Like, yeah. he was being, like, abused by Colonel Tom Parker. And the yeah. movie starts off being, like, we're going to tell you about how Elvis was abused by Colonel Tom Parker. From the perspective 
of the guy who abused him. Yeah. The guy who it, the guy who basically ran Elvis into a bloated three month compacted dead on the toilet. Elvis. That man gets to now tell his story. Yeah. Unfair. I think that's just like having Britney Spears' father tell the Britney Spears story. How is it any different? Yeah. How? Yeah, no. In I, what way? I agree. And for me, it's- Elvis it, never left the United States of America because yeah. his manager would not let him. Yeah. And think about that. He was that. taken advantage of. I mean, so- some of the some of the things that I enjoyed about this movie before I'll tell you what I didn't enjoy about the movie, um, you know, uh, like the the Vegas era Elvis stuff. It was okay. It wasn't that bad. You know, I had some fun sort of well, like you could tell me about it. I walked music. out of the movie theater <laughs> before walked out this of the happened. Movie before this happened, so I I, st- I stuck around in my room to watch the rest of it. But um, yeah, it just wasn't. I don't know, man. The '70s era stuff was okay, and I think that they were true to the idea that he was getting pumped full of like I think amphetamines to just be able to go up on stage and just perform when he had the like the residency uh, in Las Vegas. But the other aspect of it that I was not really a fan of was it just felt like kind of a put on. The he, I feel like he really like the like for me the acting parts that I wasn't really a fan of was like they kind of like you know overdid it with like the mom I'll, I told you mom and daddy I'll always take care of you you know like it was kind of like it was well kind of, and also eh. let's 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 have a moment here to be very realistic yes Elvis and the BB King scene is so ridiculous weird. It felt uh, forced. Forced. It felt like a put on. Yeah. Like, why BB King, first of all? Why? Uh, Listen. This is the iceberg, though. All dead. Everybody in that scene, all dead. Nobody could speak for it. Yeah, right. So. Yeah, who's to say? That's what I'm saying. That's a problem with a lot of these biopics, though, man. It rewrites history, and it's like it's inaccurate. And you're like. Little Richards in that scene. Yeah. Right in that scene with uh Big Mama Thornton, Big Mama in, Thornton's in supposedly in the room with, and then BB King's there. Yeah, right. So they may have all been in the room at one time, granted. But like to act like they're like the best of friends and like confidants, one, yeah, <laughs> bullshit. Two, Little Richard is on the Arsenio Hall show go- years later, going, "I'm the king of rock. I am." Right. Little Richard, who is speeding up his songs to um, purposely not have white people cover them. Yeah. That whole scene was weird. It felt like forced and a put on. Yeah. Um, I didn't need it. We can talk about how Elvis kind of like stole, uh, you know, African-American, black people, whatever you want to say, yeah. uh, his music and took off with it. Yeah. Like that definitely happened. It's yeah. part of history. But like, let's tell the history. Right. And be um, accurate. And it's, be accurate. And you know. show, um, sh- actually show Elvis being like abused. Like, cause he yeah. was. And spiraling. And spiraling. Just and, completely out of control. Yeah. Um, and yeah. also, if we're going to, uh, be picking nits here, uh, this movie completely, it does not ever once mention the fact that Priscilla Presley is how old, Michael? I think she's 14. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. And this movie acts like it's like a romance, uh, like right when they get married. Oh, like, yeah. It's not even it's mentioned. Not like, even not, nothing is even brought up about. about the fact that El- how old is Elvis at the time? That's it. Gro- that's why this movie grossed me out. I'm like, yeah. you're not going to talk about that. You're not going to talk about that. Just be honest. You know what I mean? Yeah. I could take it. I'm an adult. I know who Elvis was. Yeah, right, right. And if I had to hear how. Hound Dog one more time. That <laughs> yeah, movie they, they played the 
crap out of Han Kill Dog. Somebody. Whole, You're like, Jesus Christ, again. We're play, not even. Yeah, it's play the, it over. It's 1970s in here. Why are we playing Hound Dog? Play it over a trap beat. Yeah. It's going to age great. Oh, that was the other weird thing. They mishmashed <laughs> Elvis music over modern music, um, and it didn't go anyway, well. Anyway, I, I really didn't like this movie. I'm sorry see, if I've clearly, offended anybody. Like I it, just yeah. really uh, like. Yeah. I just really want a fair shake on Elvis. Yeah. If you um, disagree with what I said, please tell me, and we'll talk about it. Let us know in the comments. Real quick, uh, to segue before, because we're almost out of time for segment number one, uh, we got a package in the mail from our dear friend George Bruderman of the Feel Feelings podcast, which is also on our parent podcast uh, network company, if you will, Wasted Robot um, Records, I think they are, on Instagram. They're Wasted Robot Records, but it's Roasted Wasted Robot Network for us. Luca, would you like to hear as I awkwardly pass this over to you? Yes, we were sent um, a gift, and we are going to open it for you. We and uh, a box cutter, let's so see we're what using we have a bread here. knife. Um, so what we have here is uh, so Luke. What well, maybe a couple of weeks ago, you hit up George because George, uh, our buddy, works for uh, the Hoffner Guitars brand. Um, I'm not sure where's your, is he in Philly. Uh, he's in New Jersey. He's in New Jersey. Okay, so he works for Hoffner Guitars, and uh, Luke was like, "Hey, man, let's try to get like a sponsorship or something." And as it turns out, that well, we ended up getting one of these, which is a Hoffner Shorty. I was told that it's in purple, but um, the website anyway doesn't have purple as an option. So maybe this is a special uh, special edition for us. Uh, it's a cool little travel guitar. Um, it's uh, it's it's full scale. It's a bolt on. It's a box. It's a box. Okay, well let's first off look at this beautiful Hofner logo. Beautiful here. packaging. And the, for those who don't know, Hofner is the company that uh, Paul McCartney famously played the violin bass. It was the violin Hofner bass, that, which is the which is the brand Paul McCartney. Um, Ooh, um, case. Oh, and it comes with a case. Very, very nice. Also, just so you know, like this is what you're gonna get. Like, so if you order a Hofner guitar, expect Dude, look how cute this is. expect this quality. Uh, look how cute expect this, this is. quality in the mail. Yeah. So let's let's crack it open. Uh, so, like I said, it's 24 frets. It's a uh, full scale. Uh, I think it's basswood body, uh, maple uh, maple neck with a rosewood fingerboard. Um, so it's a compact travel guitar, as you can see the shape of it's rather small, but the, um, the, the, the neck is full scale, so it's nice, so, uh, you know, it, you don't have to, um, adjust your hands yeah, you for a, yeah, you don't have to sacrifice for a, uh, smaller guitar, Ooh, so let's, so cool. let's get a look at this thing, man, this is nice. Pull that little body yeah, up? yeah, yeah, here you go. Thank you, I got holding that neck. Yeah. Here we are. Oh, this must. This is a special oh, edition then, because that that's beautiful. That purple is gorgeous. It's like a flake, uh, like a purple flake. How that's, we look? Are we in the shot? Can we get this, Alex? We are get, we all in the shot here? Are we all in the, the shot? Here, if you like to, uh, yeah. There you go. Get yeah, the, uh, let's get a look at that. Beautiful. This very, is really very nice. cool. Very very nice. I love this headstock too. That's dope. Hoffner since 1887. Since 18. Wow, 18, I, 1887. I don't know if it's gonna be in tune. It is, it is not, not in, in tune. tune, but that's okay. No worries. That's very cool. So shout out to Hoffner. Thank you guys so much for sending this. Shout out to George. And uh, We're going to bring this back next week, and we're going to yeah. do like a little... Uh, Maybe like a little riff of the week or something like that. We're going to try to get creative with it, have fun, and uh, and yeah. So um, Check out Hoffner Guitars. Yeah, their website is hoffner-guitars.com. And uh, check out George Bruderman and the Feel Feelings Podcast. Uh, yes. With Danny and George Danny and on George. the Wasted Robot Network. On the Wasted Robot Network. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we're going to cover our two new album reviews. Ozzy we'll Osbourne. Right Ozzy Osbourne and Santa Gold. Santa Gold. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back, everybody, to Get 
in the garage. We're the music podcast. For music lovers. That was We're weird. here with your two. <laughs> I feel like my finger guns made you made you like a little off. I'm jazzy. What can I say? Um, this is the part where we cover new albums. So uh, the latest album that we're going to cover, well, the first one of the two, uh, is by the artist Santa Gold. The album is Spirituals. It's her fourth studio album after a four-year hiatus. Um, I think I read somewhere. Yeah, it's the first. So she's been in a four-year hiatus, but it's her first album in six years. That's what I wanted to say. And it's also her first independent release on her record label. Um, oh, I wrote it so terribly, and I can't read my own handwriting. I do apologize. But yeah, so little jerk records, is little what jerk it is. records, little jerk records. Thank you. So yes. Santa Gold was a interesting artist. Early two thousands was in a like. Everybody wants to say like ska ish band. Um, I would say more of like just like an art rock band. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it should be noted that Santa Gold is a black artist, yes. and in that rock format, was not getting uh, the push, and she kind of became a background industry figure, if yep. you will, an A and R person that would like songwrite with people, Lily Allen, yep. um, among others. Jay-Z, Kanye West, oh, yeah. Beastie Boys, Jay-Z, Kanye David West, Byrne. Beastie Boys. Yeah, so yep. she's kind of been in a background uh, songwriter, beat maker kind of person. And she came into her own with these albums that are ki- uh, extremely eclectic, um, have a lot of musical influence, and the um, kind of rock band where she was kind of pigeoned in in the early 2000s has blot like and blossomed into a project of complete freedom for mm. her um also should be noted that santa gold was Santa o gold before a lawsuit where her name was changed to sit e gold i oh, okay. so yeah. um that was also very fascinating to me to learn so um We kind of filled you in on this artist a little bit because this was a new artist for me and Michael. Having said that, I really enjoyed this album. Um, The eclecticness was refreshing. It was toned differently. Um, It was pop adjacent for what is going on right Mm. now. And what did you think, Mike? Yeah, I thought, I mean, you had an interesting perspective on it too. Um, I when we were talking about it, I think, yeah, this morning where, or maybe it was yesterday morning. Either way, point is um, where you're just kind of like, it's interesting because this album kind of does sound a little bit like the culmination of like some of the albums that we've liked the most this year so far this year. You know what I'm saying? Um, That's not to pigeonhole it into say like, uh, because it's not, I wouldn't necessarily, I don't know if I would necessarily call it a dance album, it's very, very vibey, but it's also very sure of itself. I felt like it's she's very comfortable in her own skin. She knows who she is. She's expressing herself really, really well and very, very clearly. Um, she had described this album as being heavily inspired by like the African-American spirituals, hence the name spiritual for the album. Maybe not necessarily spiritual in the traditional sense as like, you know, she's not singing Amazing Grace on here or anything, but it's more so... Uh, her own version of like her own spiritual songs that she wrote for herself. Very, yeah. And that was a very interesting take on uh, that. And this record also, I'm going to be straight, I listened to this record three times, like three times before I called Mike and was like, 
oh, I understand what this record's about now. Yeah. This record is was is heavily influenced by what happened in the summer of 2020 with the Black Lives Matter protest yeah. and the killing of George Floyd. Yes. And everything that ensued after that. And lyrically, um, a lot of those concepts were kind of going over my head um, at first. But as I wanted to get more into this and understand where she was coming from, it all blurred right out to me in full force. And on the fourth, fifth, sixth listens of this record, was really impressed uh, with what was coming out. And like Mike said, like the statements and Mike's Mike listened to it. He's like, yeah, man, duh. And I was like, I just <laughs> it just wasn't as obvious to me. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about songs. My Horror. Um, yeah. A Day in Her Horror. I thought that the way she structured that was interesting because she's going like, my horror. And it's like dancey. But at the same time, she's like, let me walk you through a day in my life yeah. that can be horror filled. Yeah. And she's taking it, uh, flipping it and making it sound happy, which is the like turning like you know lemons in the lemonade thing i really really liked that um you know i i really thought the positive on a bad the positive like happy song on a bad you know yeah. was interesting second song on this record nothing on surface to me sounded like um a boy girl relationship where she's like why do you think i'm nothing this song where I further read, she said, this is how uh, people see black people. And for my even take of this in just going, this is a relationship song and not giving it depth to that, to the sense of what it really was about, was almost like a reflection of how maybe I was taking the music not as seriously as I should have been. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Or as like, I was like, oh, because when it sank in, um, the lyric, you keep telling me I'm nothing. You're in my head. Um, this is society, what, what they're telling, uh, you know, people of color. Um, you tell you tell me uh, tell me what you mean, uh, not seen, not heard. These lyrics in that song were very clear to me afterwards. And a great way to say it because it's so, it's artistic. It's, uh, it's nuanced, but it also says what it needs to say. Um, and then if I'm just straight going down, like my favorite song on this record, without a doubt, and me and Mike, I think, agree on this, is High Priestess. Maybe we don't. I think Mike likes another track on here a little more. But, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I loved High Priestess, though. That was marked down as one of my favorites on the record. Yeah. So stylized yeah. in its its brilliance. High Priestess is um, kind of like a little bit of You Won't Break My Soul, Beyonce, kind of a little bit of um, Her by uh, Megan, uh, the Megan The Stallion. Yep, yep. But this is, I would say, the artiest take on that style of song. I love the lyrics in the song. Um, she has one that I told you, uh, roast you dry, bake you fry till your golden come on. That's the last uh, chunk to the first verse. Um the song is the verse that goes like this. It's like really in a drill style. It's so catchy. Yeah. I love the whole the verse is amazing. And then it's go it builds to this like high dance, um, like hi hat, like sixteenth notes on the hi hat. Um, you know, a pretty you don't really want my thunder. Um, I believe that's the lyric. It's a 
take on who she is. She's the high priestess. You will bow down. It's yeah. fucking dope. This is one of the best <laughs> songs I've heard all year. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely one of the best, like, um, high priestess. And I took it as, um, you know, this is this is the way you should see me. This mm. is how I am. Yeah. Um, great song. Um, the vibe of this record is high priestess. Yeah, that's the vibe of the record. What do you got, Alex? The most streamed song on the album. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, I, I, I think imagine. that's the single too. I it, think it was, was the uh, first single released. I think back in June. If yeah, I'm not I think it was mistaken. released early. So um, um, I'm late to the song because I'm just I'm on the album release. But whew, hi, please yeah. take over because the next song in this record is one that you said you loved. Yeah, so there's there's quite a few, but I I do love the song No Paradise. It has that sort of like. You know, I was talking to Luke about it. It has that, uh, I don't know exactly what the rhythm is, but you, if you listen to reggaeton, you might know the boom, kaboom, 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 kaboom. But it's also very but it's, African. Right, right. So that's the, that's like the, 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 the distinct difference is that it's, I it would is say very, very like African drum. In the way rooted. of like, um, like Zimbabwe rock kind yeah, of. Yeah, right, right. There's yeah. like a lot of that. Like uh, Fila Kute is the one that you would point out being He's the biggest the guy, star right. in that. But um, yeah. there's a lot of stuff that's like more. Yeah. But has that like doom. And I'm a sucker for world music. I love world music. Um, so I really connected with that song. Um, I thought Ushers of the New World was such a great song too. I love the lyrics of this song. Um, I pulled a couple up just because. Um, yeah, it's uh, is it survival of the is it the is it survival of the fit or the smart or the rich? This is still the overture sirens singing till they're hoarse. We will all grow wings and fly. We will change or we will die, hiding from all things unknown from each other in our homes. So it's interesting because when you know the backstory of this album, I believe she said she she was in Canada um, for about six months. Um, you know, and, and she was by herself and she was kind of like isolated and stuff. And I think that really re reflects in the lyrics too, because they're super introspective and they're kind of like talking about society as a whole, but also her own personal experience as a, you know, an African-American woman and all, everything that, and like that's, how that that's, movement, they're going to be the ushers of the new world. Yeah. Like right. They're going to be like, what's going to be like ruling next, you know? Yeah, and right. she's like commenting on yeah, the values yeah. of that. And there's a sense of urgency in the song where it's just kind of like, Hey, we're either, it's either like it's, it's and feast it's, or famine. We're us. like, either we're going to do it or we're not going to do it guys. So like, Hey, well, let's get it together here. Cause we got to, you know, and then, but it's an anthem for the people who, uh, feel a sense of maybe responsibility for being the ushers of the new world in a sense, you know? So, like, that's... I, I really like that song. Uh, Witness was another great song. That was the one with, like, auto-tune that kind of sound like that Post Malone track. What it kind of sounds like uh, that we covered that Post Malone album. Uh, I think the song's uh, called... Uh, is it? <laughs> cooped Up. Cooped Up. Because I've been cooped up. Yeah. Um, It sounds like that, but her take is obviously yeah, way more yeah, artistic. Yeah, for sure. Um. And in done to like a a, a better effect, uh, but yeah. A B that A B the Post Malone uh, cooped up, and you hear the the melody, and then her melody, and how they kind of are yeah. modern songs in the same um, year, kind of doing a little bit um, different styles, yeah. and I and thought that was very interesting. Also, as a side note, I'm kind of enjoying the fact that like people are using auto tune sort of as its own instrument too. Like I do like that, and it's interesting to hear like different people using auto tune more, like, like in a different way. Yeah, instead of just like covering mistakes it's being used to like uh yeah. in not in like the t-pain way it's not all the way out but like it's in sometimes out yeah. sometimes right here, right where it's there, like it's an artistic there. choice to just kind of be like oh i'm gonna put a phaser on this guitar on this one song it's like auto tunes like that for a vocalist which i i enjoy 
another song I want to talk about. Yep. Shake. Yeah. Shake, shake, shake. Yep. That song yep. the synth was. The in that song is killer. That song sounded like what I wanted every song in the Hot Chip record that we covered a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, check out our Hot Chip review. Um, uh, that album, this one song, Shake, I was like, that's what that whole album should be. Also, this that song, Shake, was like over before you knew it. It was like yeah. two minutes out. It's quick. It would gave you everything you need. Um, and- cool, and it was done and for that fact you're gonna tell me that this album was only 30 minutes and 42 seconds long it's 10 songs it's super it's over before you know it and but it is all killer and it's so fulfilling no it's so fulfilling the yeah, whole thing fulfilled it's like it was jam- an hour long but yeah. it's not an hour long but it shows, it's that's the thing though is it shows you how she's clever because it's because she's giving you like these really easily digestible songs that are that are short and uh, in a small package that's 30 minutes long but the context and the content and the subject matter is all very, very real and it's very introspective and it's very, very thoughtful and thought out. But it's just like she's just giving you these right. little morsels. And because you, you know. on one level, I was going to – I didn't have back on this artist. So this is a new artist for me. So on the first listen, I'm listening to this like it's a pop artist and all the uh, kind of nuanced textures are going right over my head because I'm not looking for them. So. Yeah. If you're kind of a pop fan and we're, they're like, oh, that sounds heavy. It's this will go right over your head if you just want it to. If you are yeah. into the nuance and the texture, you'll listen to it. It's all gonna be there. Yeah. Um. So it, it's got both great flavors. It's pop music yeah. that is heavily, um, you know, thought about and stylized for our moments and now. Yeah. It's not like just straight club or like party music. This yeah. is um. This is music for our times in the, a lot of the way that Kendrick Lamar just released a uh, record that was sure. for our times and a lot of the way that Beyonce just released a record that had a lot of message and flavor on it. Yep. Um, and it intro, introspective pop music is kind of uh, maybe yeah. coming, coming back around. That's it, man. So okay. Santa Gold, an album I really enjoyed. Yes. Alex? One thing on Santa Gold. Let me pull this up for us here. We also got to give our numbered takes on here. Let's hear it. <laughs> Uh, it's a fun fact, nothing bad here. Uh, she will be on tour later this year. The opening date of uh, the tour will take place in Atlanta on October 9th. There you go. The tour is named the Holified Tour. Um, it's going to visit 19 cities in the U.S. and Canada. Nice. Wonderful. Right on. Check so, that out. Yeah, check Santa that Gold. out. Santa Gold. What are you giving this record? Uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say like a strong eight five. Eight five. I'm gonna go eight five. I'm gonna go an eight. I think this record is really really good. Yeah. Um, it. Like I think she's gonna make like something. I, I'm I, excited for the next record. I'm excited for the next record too. I want this. What? Well, I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut no, you please. off. But I'm just saying. I think like I'm. What I'm waiting for is like the magnum opus, like double album that's like an hour long. That's just this crazy, just like sound bath. Because like, I do I mean? want. I would want like an hour long of this because it the it's so. But like, but that goes to show you, though, right? Like when you listen, like you know, we get on the topic of of uh, I'll, I'll do this quick and we'll, then we'll move on. But like we talk about album lengths and everything like that. This is a great album because it's a good album, like for every reason that we said is a great album. But it leaves you wanting more because it's only thirty minutes long and you want more and you're like hungry for more, so you're looking forward to the next album. You know what I mean? You give me a big bloated hour and twenty minute long album, it's kind of like okay, like this is. You know what I'm saying? Right. Depending, depending, because there's hour and twenty minute long albums that are they'll blow but your mind. Take but. you take you a long time to get into this. Yeah. It's accessible, easy. Yeah. It's ready to go. Yeah. It's. We're very excited to see what's what's uh what's uh, next for her. For yeah. Sure. Santa Gold. Santa Gold. Check it out. Um, onward. Boom. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, uh, like we said earlier in the episode, the Ozman cometh once yes, more and does. releases his, I believe, thirteenth studio album. He is feared by bats everywhere. Patient number nine. <laughs> um, Ozzy's back. He released an album in two thousand nineteen. Better than ever. Called Ordinary Man. This is patient number nine, and yes. I I will agree with you, Michael. This album is better than ever. I think uh, on a just overview here, Ozzy is making an album that may be his last album. It kind of defines his career here. We also are dealing with a sober Ozzy, which is refreshing and I think very reflecting on the record he made. Um, this record features... Instead of the last record, which kind of featured uh, kind of younger pop artists uh, a la Post Malone, like we were just talking about before, Ozzy has chosen to feature guitar players on this record where mm-hmm. you have a lot of classic artists that will kind of make a new album with um, all features on it. Um, I know like Van Morrison did one a couple years ago. Tons yeah. of artists have done this. Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, I think, just did one, or he's done a couple before. So things like that. Um but this is, I think, the best take on it, having the guitar players. It's not a featured vocalist. It just kind of plays off like an Aussie song for the most part. Yep. Um, the people on this album uh, also make up what I think is the greatest strength of this record. Ozzy makes a metal pop album that sounds metally but very poppy at the same time. Yeah. Um, we have on the opener Jeff Beck. Um, Chad Smith from the Red Hot Chili Peppers on drums. Um, Rob Trujillo. Um, can you pronounce his name better for me? That it's Robert Trujillo. Yeah, you did it way better. I heard it. Um, <laughs> the bass player for Metallica and Ozzy's earlier bass player yep. before Metallica uh, swiped him up. He also uh, helped write and uh, play on that song. Um, the second song, Immortal, has Mike McCready from Pearl Jam. Yep. Again, like a pop rock band, more or less grungy. Um, you also have Chad Smith and the Chili Peppers on that song. Duff McKagan yep. from uh, Guns N' Roses. Also, uh, also on this record features uh, Zach Wild, which is Ozzy's, uh, you yeah, know. He's the, he's the higher, the go-to he is the, guy. Like, the higher uh, gun. Before we move on any further in this album oh, review, yes, I will embarrass myself fully. I went to OzFest uh, when I was in the sixth grade and <laughs> met Mr. Zach Wild. I will show you what I look like in his picture. We have talked about it before on the podcast, but here it is on the video. Yeah, here you are. Bam. Check that out. Very nice. Yes. Uh, so moving on. Um, <laughs> Zach Wilde is on here. Um, who else is on here? Oh, and uh, Classic. Eric Clapton, Tony Iommi, uh, you know. Uh, J- uh, Jane's Addiction, uh, Tattoo. Oh, oh, Dave Navarro. Dave Navarro's on here. I think that's actually all the features on here. Oh, uh, and Let's uh, give a giant rest in peace to Taylor Hawkins, yes. who plays on this record. Uh, he does some great drummings, I believe, on the Tony Iommi track, uh, the one that's like seven minutes long on here. He's on Parasite. He is on Mr. Darkness. Okay, thank you. He is on God Only Knows. Thank you. So not the song I thought, but yeah. some great drumming on there. I love Parasite. So let's get into this album. 
Yeah, I think this is a phenomenal album. I love it. I um, Also, just to put it out there, there's a really great uh, interview with Ozzy and Sharon on like the Apple Music YouTube channel or something. I can't remember the, the guy's name. We should link it in this episode. Yeah, we should link it in this episode. Um, yeah, it's, it's a phenomenal album. I think sh- Sharon put it uh, pretty well, and it was also with the help of uh, Andrew Watt, who was like the producer and engineer and uh, also a songwriter listed as a songwriter on here, that this record, it's cool because you don't have to be a metal fan in order to enjoy this record but if you are a metal fan you will definitely enjoy this record um also worth shouting out um uh alexandra tamposi who is an american like songwriter she's worked with the likes of i think like miley cyrus and beyonce and i mean if you you if you go down her wikipedia rabbit hole the list is extensive on a couple of these songs as a writer Uh, she's on like i think she's credited on every single song as uh yeah as a writer except for dark side blues which is the final track right. on the album so basically it, the core of the songwriting was done by ozzy yeah um her her can i get her name again um ali tamposi thank and you andrew and, watt and andrew watt and yeah. andrew watt has also produced albums for miley cyrus and justin bieber so yeah. what you have here is a pop producer producing an ozzy album and i think the results are really fantastic I let's think... talk this the single yeah, I um, mean, uh, patient number nine. Yeah, patient number nine, featuring it's all, Jeff Beck. Featuring Jeff Beck. Um, that that's been all over the radio lately too, which has been really fun. You we know, hear it every day at work. Every yeah. time it plays, and we've been knowing we're gonna do this album. I'm like, oh, it's playing right now. Yeah. I was like, patient number nine, it's playing right now. Yeah. Um, they should shout out that Jeff Beck plays on it, and I've never heard them say it once. Yeah. Um, so this song has a like, a like almost like build up like dum dum like emo e chorus yeah, yeah. it halves up the chorus it's a pop chorus on like this metal song um about you know a ozzy going insane mental patient motif mm-hmm. jeff beck's guitar playing on here super cool phenomenal you have two members of the yardbirds playing with ozzy osbourne on this album i just want to point that out by the way uh, with Eric Clapton and Jeff oh, Beck, yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's another cool thing that right. I, that almost no reviewer pointed out on this record either. Yeah. Um, also, no reviewer has pointed out that Chad Smith's on this record a ton, Taylor Hawkins on this record a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to shout out that that we this is the difference between our review and say uh, Loudmouth or Blabbermouth or whatever yeah. all those metal websites. Blabbermouth. None of them said anything uh, of that nature. Planet Number Nine, cool. Um, uh, guitar solo by Jeff Beck. It's yeah. it has like the it's great motive. It has that great melodic like, do, do, do stuff he does. Yeah. Um, and then Immortal, another cool song yeah, talking Mike about. Yeah, rips on this on this song. Yeah, and it talks about like Ozzy's legacy, and mm-hmm. he says like you know I'm immortal, and like where that balances in like the right and the wrongs that he's done. Um, another thing that we, me and Mike, have talked about a lot on this record uh, together is that. It has um a lot of like end of it has a lot of like perspective Ozzy looking back mm. on like um his life and legacy and immortal like that song he's like I'm gonna die one day but what I've done is immortal so he's kind of like you know praising the work he's done right. in a way that is cool on an album that has a lot of kind of like doomy and gloomy stuff and Ozzy yep. is obviously more of a doom and gloom kind of guy yeah. Uh, 
Mike Parasite. Parasite, great song. We think, I mean, we talked about it this morning. I think that's going to be the next single if he does a second single off of the record, and rightfully so. It's awesome. It's the first track on the record featuring Zach Wilde, who is, once again, you know. Ozzy's normal guitar he's player. He's the guy. I mean, it's like when you're talking about Ozzy's guitar players, excluding Tony Iommi, of course, you have Randy Rhodes, and then you have Zach Wilde. Jake Ely, of course, we give him credit where credit is due. Uh. But... Um, <laughs> bark at the moon bark at the moon but um but yeah i think parasite's great it's it is i mean he is writing pop choruses in the heavy metal medium and it's just so effective and so good it's like the stars align for this record there's so many records you know you see a lot of these bands like the kill switch engages and you know from the metal core scene that came out of say new england boston at that you know many moons ago when i was in high school um you know the the sort of dad rockifying of that music where it's kind of like it became sort of mainstream pop music it kind of feels a little bit like a put on and that's not a put down but it's just my personal taste what can you do and but this it, doesn't but it feel turns that into way dad rock where this is this doesn't this is feel... ozzy doing like pop metal which is yeah, awesome right and there is a distinct difference and i feel like that comes through on this record well, the chorus of parasite is is the is the mama tried yeah like, and that's like a new thing that's been going around with the kids like mama tried like yeah you know what i mean yeah. like it's a, a thing that's been going around. It's like in the zeitgeisty right. and the way he uses it to be like, um, you know, talk about his uh, past family dealings and how like he's had, tra- he had said trauma where like he, his mom did try and his dad was rough and you yeah. know, he, he it haunts him like a parasite in his brain, you know, like, why yeah. can't I get over these things? Yeah, and yeah. it's been haunting me my whole life. And, a sober Ozzy uh, reflecting on these things, I said to Mike, is something I would have liked a long, 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 long yeah. time ago. But you can hear you it. Could, you, you could can tell he's sober. Yeah, you, you can, can tell absolutely he's sober. tell because the stuff when he's drinking, you could tell when he's like on drugs and alcohol, he really doesn't want to talk about why he's on drugs and alcohol. Yeah. But now that he's off drugs and alcohol, you're getting all these songs. With, like you could tell what they're about. You know yeah, what I right, mean? Right. Um, and yeah, before um, it would be more, more clouded, more metaphored. And yeah, now right. he's just like, yeah, my childhood was bad, and, yeah. and it's in a song. It's very cool. Yeah, um, so track number four is kind of like, I think if I'm picking nits, because that's what we do, we pick nits, the songs that I might say that I'm like the least impressed with were kind of was kind of like a letdown for me just because like I was like, oh, Tony Iommi's on this. This is awesome. And the Tony Iommi songs for me were a little bit of a letdown, if I'm being completely honest. That's not to say that they're bad songs. It's they just, just they kind of played off to me, both like uh, like they were kind of like rem- they were kind of like bringing up Black Sabbath riffs that you may have known in the past, and kind of all combining so, them into one song. There is something to that, though. So if you watch that Apple interview, he does touch on his relationship with Tony Iommi and Geezer Butler and Bill Ward, whatever. Uh, and how, you know, when he was in the band with Black Sabbath, he was kind of just like, you're just the singer. Like, we're the guys that write the songs. And I don't know if maybe that sort of translated onto this record where maybe Tony Iommi kind of came in and he's just like, I'm the, I'm the guy. So step aside. You know, I don't know. It's the, This is all hypotheticals and stuff like that. But hearing that and then for me personally having these be the weaker songs on the record, I kind of like mentally put two and two together. I don't the, know if the that was other, the case, but you the know. The other thing I noted about them that made them drag out like the Tony Iommi-ness of it was the fact that Ozzy sang great melodies over these tunes. Mm. Um, and so the fact that Ozzy was singing, like, instead of going, like, 
Generals gathered in that singing right to the riff. Yeah. I am, I am, am. Yeah. He was singing uh, melodies over them like uh, Ronnie James Dio would do in Sabbath later and right. change their sound. Right. So for me, it gave a newer context to those sounds, though I could have, you know, used a new Tony Iommi riff. Yeah. If I'm right, is that kind of right. fair? I think that's fair. I think that's fair um, to say. One of these days with Eric Clapton. Yeah, great song. Is one of Ozzy's best songs. Yeah. Um, it has that chorus, One of Those Days I Don't Believe in Jesus. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the song. This song, I'm excited about it because it has Clapton on it, who is a like a kind of softer rock artist or in the hard rock, but not, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, he, yeah. He, I mean, he was he heavy did, back in the day. He but did he Wonderful kinda... Tonight. Yeah. Like, right. like That's Eric Clapton Yeah. in a nutshell. So... This song has that chorus of like, um, you know, one of those days I don't believe in Jesus. It has that self doubt over like religion. It it has that like I don't know who I am. I lost my faith, mm. um, kind of thing. And Ozzy's really singing it really genuinely, and like he does have those days where he loses his faith, but um, he keeps moving on. And it has that message of I'm gonna keep moving. I'm gonna keep soldiering on. Again, this is in a great like it's toned down in its metalness, but you still get that cool mm. hard rock sound. Clapton's guitar solo on here, very cool. Um, it has that thing at where it almost sounds like he's gonna play a sour note every other note, and you're like, oh, 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 but he keeps it the whole time. He's playing like counter melody to the melody. It's a very interesting guitar solo at yeah. that because it's like a bluesy solo over like a poppy metal song, and it yeah. works. Um, I like this song. I like the lyrical content of the song. Yeah. It's something um, I think we're only getting out of a sober Ozzy. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I, th I the thing I like about this, and we we talked about it, I think today earlier today was you know the having having Jeff Beck and Eric Clapton on this record. I think it's very significant because of the fact that Black Sabbath were kind of like the outcasts, right? Like if you're talking and you're looking back, the late '60s and then the early '70s, you have this sort of thing where it's like, well, Keith Moon really hung out with John Bonham and hung out with who hung out with like the Yardbirds guys, the Beatles guys, the Stones guys. And here is Black Sabbath out of Birmingham, like the like the bastard fucking, you know, yeah, like the, dark brooding children from the, you know, from uh, from the steel factories. Yeah, like even you Deep know. Purple had way more respect. Yeah, right, right. So this is cool because it's taking Ozzy Osbourne and it's going like, no, you are part of this class. You're this. You are part of this graduating on class par with, with Jeff, Beck, Jeff Beck and Eric, Eric Clapton. Clapton. And, you know, and obviously Tony Iommi is in there. But even with Tony Iommi being sharing an album with these guys as well, being like. Like, no, Tony Omi is another dude who's like, he's one of those guys, too. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, and now they, I, I, that's, I liked that because it's going, all right, no, now here, we're just going to let you know that Ozzy's part of the crew as well. You know what I mean? I fucking love that. Um, the other Jeff Beck uh, song on here, A Thousand Shades, is the same thing. It, it um, textures out Ozzy in a brand new way, and it almost sounds like the Beatles. It has like yeah. a Beatles John Lennon chorus. Uh, yeah. Obviously, Ozzy's highly uh, influenced by John Lennon. Yep. Um, Mr. Darkness, it kind of after this, yeah, it kind of gets a little into a bit of filler territory. Uh, Mr. I mean, Darkness, Evil Shuffle, Evil Shuffle. But I'll say that if you want like those, God, like but God only knows. God only knows a great song, but you're gonna say that those songs have that like more rock and metal. Yeah, feel. so that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so like if you enjoy that sort of Zach Wild style, um, you know, uh, Ozzy Osbourne taste, 
you know, that those songs are, like, right where they should be. Yeah, you know they're what I mean? more towards the end. Mr. Darkness is like that evil shuffle is definitely like that. Yeah. And there's um, cool breaks in the middle of those songs where things get a little jammy-ish. I, I almost said, why do, this, why do some of these Zach Wilde songs sound like they should be the Tony Iommi songs just exactly. with Zach Wilde guitar solos over them? Um, you know, Degradation Rules is another one. That's the Tony Iommi track. Where Probably has the you know, most egregious lyric on the album. If you're going to pick nits, it's Degradation Masturbation. Yeah, uh, Alex yeah. was going to throw that up and tell us that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Michael shouted it out to me at work today, so yeah. I thought I'd bring that uh, into the yeah. table here. Yeah. Uh, Probably the only like one of the only lyrics on the album where I'm like, okay, man, like, because yeah, yeah. Ozzy gets away with like singing about like crying blood and shit all day long. Like, he's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's the fucking Prince of Darkness. Uh, and then so and then the album ends with Dark Side Blues, which is just this little well, like one minute and forty seven. Gotta talk about God only knows. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the last song I think that features Taylor Hawkins. As yeah, well. and that song is introspective. Um, he's saying like. Uh, it's better. It, he does. He takes does a one on the Neil Neil Young lyric. Better to burn in hell than to fade away. Um, so it's the Ozzy take on that song, yeah, right. which is like his his like you know it's better to burn out than it is to fade away. It's better to burn in hell than it is to fade away. It's so Ozzy. This song is reflective of his life. It's not a Beach Boys cover, which I was so glad about. Um, and yeah, I saw that and I got worried. I was, I was like, like, no. So glad this wasn't a Beach Boys cover, because yeah. um, I did not want to hear Ozzy sing God Only. God only not. I can't even hear. I can't even imagine. No, 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 no. It's terrible. Let's not go there. Let's not go there. So this song is like a reflection of like, wh- where am I going to end up in life? God only knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just beautiful. And to hear Ozzy sing like this, it's what we always knew he was capable of with yeah. songs like uh, Mama, I'm Coming Home, written by Lemmy of Motorhead fame. But um. This album really is, if this is Ozzy's last album, it's a fucking great record. Yep. I really like this record. Uh, Ozzy's the man. What do you got, Alex, before we give our scores here? How about the harmonica? Oh, the harmonica. Yeah, and Ozzy Thank comes you. back. Uh, first uh, showing us on The Wizard his skills on the harmonica, but all these years later in 2022, we're yeah, getting... whips out the harmonica. I was really excited when I heard harmonica. Yes. I was like, yo, finally. And then the last just before we go that last little song there yeah dark side blues is hopefully what i think ozzy's next record should be which is a back to blues ozzy sings about some real hard feelings and pain yeah um but more like back to blues when i say that i mean like rolling stones blues i mean like toned down i mean like a different i think ozzy has the range now to do whatever he wants and if he wants to do a different styled record i would be a hundred uh percent with it yeah. and i think he's got a lot to show us i hope he does another record sober Ozzy's yeah. great what do you think this record is oh this is a tough this is this is a tough this is a tough, it's a call. tough one because we did we did sing its praises very highly but what yeah. what really is it yeah i mean i would say hmm, if i like if i can skirt away from giving an exact number between eight five and nine i like this record man i like this album there's a couple of stinkers on here but like for what it is and how much i listen for who it is and for who it is like who's this record for yeah it's for yeah man it's for like the shit kicker older generation dudes who fuck who love ozzy osbourne and this is a great album ozzy record right for an ozzy record it's an eight they're not they're not getting those people that want to listen to this record aren't getting another shitty Ozzy record. This isn't Black Rain. This yeah. isn't Ordinary Man that came out in 2019. 2020. Um, it, I listened to those records. They're not really good. This record is of par. It's yeah. of caliber. It's cool, and I think what it means for him 
and his career and all of that stuff too. Like I'm looking at this record as a whole, as yeah, a lump I think sum. He, I think he is, knocked this out of the park. Yeah, and if this is his send off, then like pff, good stuff, Ozzy. Yeah, good stuff. I'm gonna. And I love Ozzy. I'm I gonna, love Ozzy Osbourne. I'm gonna send it off with an eight. Uh, what I gave the last record. Um, though, now the caveat here is. Do I think that this record is artistically as important as the last record we reviewed? No, I don't. Yeah. But for who this record is and for who Ozzy is and the art that Ozzy's trying to make, I think it's an eight. The art she was trying to make, uh, Santa Gold, it, I think that was an eight. These are different contexts and different vibes. When 100%. we're talking about uh, records, I love Kiss. But, like, I know Kiss isn't on the artistic level and social <laughs> important level that Santa Gold is on. The man that gave you Love Gun. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, so we are doing a very interesting yeah. show here where we're trying to give you an honest review of the Ozzy album and tell you the nuances of it and yeah. if we thought it was good or bad. And then also give you a record that's, you know, has a lot of heavy weight to it and is artistically the more important record. But, For sure. um, you know, we are uh, all yeah. sorts of here, and I just wanted to kind of give that little caveat. Yeah, yeah, it's, of, con- like, it's context, man. Uh, it's, it's yeah, all context. I, you know, I know. Yeah, context, I know. Context and nuance, man. So anyway, don't forget to like and comment and subscribe and share the podcast with all of your friends. Um, make sure you rate us on Apple Podcasts. I don't know what uh, Luke is up to right now. Oh, he's he's grabbing the guitar. Once again, thank you to George Bruderman and our friends at Hoffner Guitars. We'll be running Hoffner Guitars on Instagram. Yes, at Hoffner Guitars on Instagram. Uh, George Bruderman on Instagram. You can find him on Instagram and his podcast with Danny Getz, who you can also find on Instagram. Feel Feel feelings on the Wasted Robot Network. Until next week, guys, this has been Get in the Garage. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. This has been a presentation from the Wasted Robot Network. For more information, and links to other shows please visit www.wastedrobotrecords.com slash podcasts.